Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, Rockstar SLPs. So we're on a new episode of the Real Talk SLP podcast. I am your host, Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy. And today we're going to be talking about three ways that you can use crafts in your speech therapy sessions. So if you if you are a theme of crafts, you're like, woohoo, this is amazing. Let's do this. And if you're like, I hate crafts, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to not like them, but you know, if you're curious about how crafts could be used effectively in your sessions, then, then listen, listen to the episode and maybe I can, uh, you know, I don't want to change your mind, but at least give you the opportunity to see if maybe there's some kids on your caseload who would benefit from having a craft done here and there. Now I am totally not on team glitter. Glitter should have no place in the speech room. (laughs) I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. Like there's a rare moment when I will say, yeah, let's use glitter. That's necessary. No, it's not. It's not necessary at all. It makes a big mess. um, And I don't think it's really worth it in the end. (laughs) So that's not what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be about, you know, using crafts in a functional way. And I say functional because the first three letters are fun, F-U-N, functional way. If I'm going to do a craft with my caseload, it has to be purposeful. It has to be somewhat low prep. Sometimes I'll do a little bit more elaborate one if I'm feeling, you know, crafty. Um, And it has to have some purpose as to why I'm doing it with my students. And so I think if you've not liked doing crafts because you felt like this was just some kind of fluff activity, um, then I agree. It would feel kind of like, I don't understand the point of this. I'd rather go get um, way more trials in, or I'd rather get lots more practice using something else. And there are times on my caseload and in my sessions where crafts don't happen. Um, typically, I will do a craft, you know, depending, it depends on the theme or it depends on what I got. Um, I will do a, th- uh, a craft one to two times either a month or every couple of months. And, and sometimes if I'm doing a lot of co-teaching, especially with kids who need that hands-on component, if the craft is simple enough and I have support from some of the staff to cut and prep the pieces for the craft, then we might do that more than, you know, we might do it every week or every other week, depending on the activity. So Here is how, here's three ways that you can use crafts to cover, you know, the goals on your caseload. And I have lots of blog posts about different crafts that you can, you know, use with your students. But the first way is to use it as a activity in your session to hit goals. And then it becomes a bulletin board decoration or it gets sent home as home practice. 
and that is their homework. And you can even turn it over and, you know, write some notes to the parents on, you know, you can stick a little piece of paper on the back and say, hey, practice, you know, the sounds on this page five times and have them judge whether or not they did a good sound or not, or, you know, whatever it is, or, hey, these are some of the verbs that we talked about in our session today. Try to use those at dinner or when you're out and about and you send it home with the kid. And so when your students come in each session, they can walk over to the bulletin board and look for their craft and maybe they have to pick a few words that they're going to practice with you or explain what their goal is for when they come to see you or tell you how to make a sound or you, you know, you produce the words and they have to judge whether or not you said your sound correctly or not with those words. So when you make the craft in your session, it then becomes your speech bulletin or the child's homework. And then you use it as a warm up or even as a closing before they go back to back to their classroom to remind them what they're working on, right? So that's how I would repurpose the craft. We don't want to just throw that thing in the trash. We took a lot of time to prep those circles and collect all the papers and cut out the templates. So you're going to reuse it, right? The second way that you can use crafts with your caseload is to help them understand a concept from a book or from a theme that you're doing. And my best example for this is one of my favorite crafts, actually, because it is such a versatile craft um, for lots of different ages, as well as um, it's easy to prep and you really can't adapt it for a lot of different goals. And that is the windsock craft. Now I have a whole blog post on how to use the windsock craft in therapy. So I will link to that in the show notes. But if you were talking about wind, you're reading some books about wind, or you're talking about the science behind wind, this can be a great craft for your students to do. You can do it as a co-teaching lesson where you're talking about the science of wind, and then they actually get to make their windsock. You can use, what I love about the windsock craft is the whole paper is blank. So you really can tailor that paper to whatever goal you want. And then after we're done using it, they get to turn it into a windsock craft. And then you don't throw that thing away. You get to go outside and use the windsock craft and reinforce goals and concepts that you've talked about when it comes to wind, like blowing and making it go fast and slow up, down, um, or having the kids explain what is a windsock craft and why it's used as a, as a weather tool. So I shouldn't say a windsock craft, but a real windsock, you know, why is that used as a tool for, uh, flying? And, and that is how you can use the craft to help students engage with the concepts that you're trying to teach them. And it becomes just a really engaging, fun way to, to build language. I remember specifically, I did this craft with my, I think they were third through fifth grade students. It was my complex communication students, um, 
you know, if we, if we were going to put a label on it, it would be my mod severe classroom. And we did this and we worked on social communication. We worked on the core words, go stop. We, the kids got to take races. We did races with the windsock and we said, ready, set, go. Kids got to take turns with each other. So we, we hit so much communication that we don't always hit um, as organically with other kind of tabletop activities. So I love this craft. I love crafts that show a concept, help a student, you know, get more connection to the concept. So you may even make a paper garbage truck because you just read Trashy Town and you want the kids to connect with one of the main items in that book was the garbage truck. So you're doing the craft so that you can also talk about the parts of the truck, what goes inside the truck, you know, who drives it. So you're you're helping them make bigger and deeper connections with some of the main concepts in the book. I hope that makes sense. So the last way that you can use a craft in your group, especially mixed groups, is using it as a progress monitoring tool or as an activity that they can do while you're trying to get some progress monitoring in. Now, if it's a simple enough craft, everyone can have their hands busy, they're decorating the craft while you are getting some data on each student in the group. And this way they're able to kind of have some freedom, but you know that they're going to be focused on doing an activity. And, and, and then at the end of it, of course, then they can take it home as speech homework, like I said, or put it on a bulletin board, but it helps give them something to do while you are taking baseline progress monitoring, or you're doing some probing with different students on your caseload. So I will also use a craft in this way. And I, and that's when I may use a craft that has a little bit more steps, or maybe I don't cut out all of the picture stimulus words for them to glue on because I want them to have that time to to fill up the, the therapy time so that I can get to every single student in the group to take some data. So the three ways that you can use a craft in therapy, we're just going to wrap things up here, is one, you can use it as an activity to increase engagement and then send it home as a homework activity or um, to decorate your speech bulletin board so then you can use it as a warm-up or a transition back to class where you go and review a couple of concepts of their, you know, from their goals. Number two, you can use crafts to help students make deeper connections with a concept or, or characters or items from a book that you're using with them so that they make deeper connections. And then you can also target goals while they're making that craft. And then the last way that you can use crafts is to use them for a progress monitoring day when you need all the students in the group working, but you want to be able to take data, baseline data, or do some probing with each of the students. So I would love to know how you use crafts with your students or why you use crafts with your students. You can always message me at the Dabbling Speechy. And I love if you tag me, I have lots of crafts in my uh, TPT store. So if you ever do a craft activity, always feel free to tag me. I love seeing your crafts in action. And as always, be the SLP that every kid wants to see.
Until next time, stay inspired. Uh-huh.